0: Turn Up The Talk Podcast. Tackling mental health together.
1: Hey everyone, and welcome to Turn Up The Talk. You're joined by Pat Clifton and Lockie Drew Morris, and no Luca Moretti today. Where is he, Paddy? Pilates in the city.
2: <laughs> good on him, but uh, yeah, he's got a lot of built-up stress, so that's good. he's Hopefully getting a release. Getting a release. Yeah.
1: I tell you what, it's not easy, Pilates. I've
2: only done yoga. I've never done Pilates, but yoga i failed at. I was <laughs> I'm a big sweater and you can imagine that hot room and not not much space. It wasn't Sweaty working
1: well. No, I do I've done Pilates a few times. Shocking, eh? Shocking.
2: <laughs> it's terrible. What do you um what's your what's your move? Have you got like a signature move?
1: Um no. What about yoga? I know the downward dog.
2: Yeah, the downward dog for me is good and yeah. the um the tree pose. The tree pose. Getting my zen, yeah.
1: Yeah, nice, nice. <laughs> Excited for today,
2: I won't lie. I can't wait. It's awesome guest coming up. He's been on board since the start. We were sort of the first person we contacted. Yeah, so. and he was,
1: always, he was always on board. He had a pretty busy month last month, but now we're um finally get to catch up What he wedding. have on?
2: He told us he uh, had his wedding. That's right, he got married. Good on you. Got him.
1: married, got, yeah.
2: Speaking of that, um, Kevin Heath, who we spoke to a couple of weeks ago, he just popped the question and uh, Sam, his partner, said yes. Yeah. So congratulations, Kevin. Congrats. And stuff. On the topic of dropping a knee, Joey, must be getting close for you, eh? Um, oh, yeah, a
1: few years. <laughs> a few years, isn't that what that Japan trip's for next year? Taking nah. to the top of the mountain? Oh, yeah, no. Nah. What if she says no on top of that mountain? She
2: <laughs> It's a good getaway, I guess. <laughs> yeah,
1: it is a good getaway, straight back on the skis. Straight back on the skis, but, uh, yeah,
2: no, nah, um, can't wait. The bushfires are bad.
1: Yeah, shocking. Yesterday, when smoke. we were recording
2: this, yesterday's smoke was terrible. Yeah, it was just, it's not good. But um, hopefully the fire is getting on top of it. But I, I was at work and like, you couldn't see 200 meters in front yeah.
1: of you. Yeah, no, Koogee Beach was covered in ash, the, in the water. See, there's those volunteer firefighters lighting deliberate fires
2: and then putting them out. Well, like a pyromaniac. Yeah,
1: pyromaniac. It's fucked.
2: Nah, well. I know that um, one of the guys at work, his missus is from China, and they, like, obviously, the air quality's not too good over there, and we're pretty lucky normally here. And they've got a thing over there. If it's above 300, they've got a barometer. If it's above 300, you're not, allowed, you're not expected to go into work. And our one has been at 500 for the last two weeks on the Tuesdays and Thursdays. Really? When it's been bad, yeah. So he can not turn up. So, oh, no, I don't think that happens, but... Yeah, how, I just thought that was pretty crazy when he told us that. Yeah, and the, and the said, masks that you get—they don't about do to anything. Say, I know. Unless it's an Everyone's industrial one, they don't around, do anything. I that's where it makes it harder to breathe. Yeah, and
1: then your face gets all hot.
2: Like they're not even the proper ones. So, <laughs> good
1: on you though. Good on you for people that wear them. What else you got planned coming up? New Year's? Um, you doing anything?
2: I'm going up to Brisbane with the family for Christmas. Just waiting on book some flights, but that's about it. Yeah, nothing else. What about you? No, nah, nothing
1: planned. Probably just um, have a quiet one with the family, I reckon. In New York for Christmas last year, which is pretty cool, so no. I'll just um, enjoy okay. this one at home.
2: Yeah, well, have you done your shopping? No, nah, I haven't yet. Have you? I've done a little bit, but how crazy does yeah, that for get you? Yeah, The other fight. day, I was going to the car, and I had to do two trips because I forgot something, and I put some stuff away. And I try, I'm not one of those people that, like, leads you on to the spot. I try and make sure that everyone around me knows I'm not going. Yeah. And I waved at this like, this girl and I said, no, look, I'm not going.
1: Wait a second, don't you have a girlfriend?
2: Okay. And, she is, <laughs> and she's standing there and she's sitting there. Mm-hmm. A couple of minutes go past and then I poke, poke my head back out and I look at her and I go, no. And she goes, oh, and waves her hands yeah, at me. I'm like, no, man, I told to you speak. three minutes ago. <laughs> Why are you still here?
1: It's, it's honestly a shit fight in shopping. East, I live at East Gardens. And this my street. It's East Guns is paid parking now, so everyone parks on my street and walks over. Oh, Chris Clifton wouldn't be too God. happy. He had a run in with the Audi worker,
2: didn't he?
1: We'll keep that story for another time, <laughs> I reckon. But no, it's dead set of shit fight. You can't get you can't get a, a spot to save your life.
2: Yeah. So uh, for everyone's information, we uh, are going to hold off over Christmas. So this one will be released on the 18th of December. And then we're not going to release on the 1st. We'll be back on the 8th of January. So I can't wait for you guys to listen to that. But yeah, three weeks. Alrighty, let's get to the good stuff. This is a mental health
1: podcast, so some content discussed today may be triggering for some. So if you're not feeling up to it, hit pause, come back another day. We're not going anywhere. Like we mentioned, today we're joined by a very special guest. One who personally I've been looking forward to since we kind of came on board with this idea. He's been on board from the get-go. Like we said, he had a pretty pretty flat-out month last month, which we'll talk about. He's played 191 NRL games for Canberra, the Dragons, and now he's currently at the Sharks. That includes 71 tries, <clears throat> 12 appearances for New South Wales, another 12 for Australia. He's an NRL state-of-mind ambassador and a huge role model within the NRL. Ladies and gentlemen, Josh Dugan. Thanks for joining us, mate. How are you going? Yeah, good. What have you been up to? Pre-season? Yeah,
0: just getting flogged pre-season in the heat and the smoke. It's been uh, real good fun smoking a pack of Marlboro Reds. I didn't even think of that the smoke and training. It's it's been, and they reckon like out um, the Shyway, it's like one of the most hazardous places for the smoke too. And yeah, we've been running around in it every day. I've right. had a cough for about two weeks now. <laughs> That's rude. That's rude to say.
2: How are your boys looking?
0: Yeah, good no, Yeah, we're looking good. Um, we don't have all our boys back yet. Uh, Andrew Fafita just got back. Shawnee popped in for a week before he got married. But um, yeah, once we, we get over the Chrissy break and things like that, I think we'll start getting right into the footy stuff. But at the moment, it's just that, that grind, that... Um, <laughs> you know, up at six every day, home at four every day and, and just training your asses off. So it's been good. All the young boys are really working hard and, um, you know, we've got a few of the older boys there ticking them along, so. What's the training, like gym and field? Is, uh, it, yeah, is so that it, like, uh, it It depends what days. So Tuesdays and Fridays are our biggest days. Like they're our con days <laughs> and our leg weight days too, which is, which is a tough way to go, but you don't really want to be doing leg weights a day before a big day on the field. So uh, Mondays is normally just skill and uh, learning drills and stuff like that and, and you know upper body weights bit of video um, and then we've got like s- specifics towards your position yeah right that's that's a Monday a Tuesdays field in the morning probably lunch together and then um, leg weights in the arvo and then Wednesdays we normally do a swim and uh massage, like a recovery day, but today yeah. they've actually given it a, given us a it off and then uh we did our massages yesterday, which was nice of <laughs> <Yeah. it>? yeah. <laughs> Nice no, relaxing. Um, yeah, and then it's the same Thursday as Monday and Friday's the same as Tuesday. And then sometimes you got extras on Saturday mornings and things like that. Yeah. But it's been pretty good. Um, you know, this is probably my thirteenth or fourteenth three season, so Getting over. I've, had, I've had a few, and, and yeah, definitely wake up every morning now thinking, "Why am I still putting myself through this?" Yeah. But you know, when you get into playing and that sort of thing, that that's the fun stuff, and makes you know, it all. This work, is hard out. work to get there, so you know, yeah. you, you do it for a reason.
2: No spoilers, but uh, you said position specific. What have you been doing? A bit of everything. Fullback, um, center.
0: Yeah, like we've we've got so many of the young boys up in the squad at the moment that I think we have about a dozen backs so we've we've all just been chopping and changing and like just trying to help each other out and things like that um you know with me and jay moz there we're doing the same as we did last year pretty much just trying to coach the young guys and and giving them tips and pointers when we can and you know i've been playing a bit of everywhere to be honest but look we're we're not really going to get into positions until probably back into january anyway so um you know, I, I don't really have my mind set on anywhere, uh, just somewhere where I can play good footy and consistent footy. I feel like the last couple of years, it's sort of I've been chopped and changed a, a fair bit. And you know, when I do get set in one position, I, f- I do find myself playing better, consistent footy. So um, for me, that's just one of my goals for next year.
1: On that, I, I thought last year was one of your most consistent years in
0: a while. Did you feel that? Yeah, I think um, my first sort of five, six games in the centres, I felt like I started really getting into some good form and things like that. And, you know, I thought I was really pushing towards an origin spot again. And then, um, you know, Moise, the poor bloke, went down with his hemi and I got shifted back to fullback. And it it took me a few weeks to to find my feet there again. You know, I'm not going to lie, I was a bit rusty and, (laughs) you know, catching those high balls and things like that And, and just the specific fitness you've got to have as well just the effort on effort and things like that like i've been so used to making you know 15 tackles a game and only 10 hit ups and then um you know you cover so much more ground at fullback and you got to take the first hit up off the kick return or you got to be there at least for the first and second and then support the whole set and then um yeah so i was a bit rusty at the start and and found a few weeks took a few weeks to find my feet but you know once i did find my feet and you know i got that match fitness I, i felt like i started playing pretty good footy again and the back end of the year was when I felt like I played my best footy. I think, I think we won, you know, five of our last eight when I was playing fullback or something like that. So, um, you know, I felt like I had a pretty good year, and you know, I can hold my hat, head up high. And you know, I, I played through some pretty tough things as well. Um, I subluxed three of my ribs in the in the Broncos game um, when Darius Boyd accidentally needed me when I was going for a try, and you know, I finished the game somehow. I, I don't know how, but. Um, You know, I finished that game and then got about four pain-injected needles to play the Melbourne game and then actually strained my hemi in the first 20 minutes. So, um, you know, I only missed two games last year, and that's huge for me. I've sort of struggled to maintain that consistency on the field. And, you know, I've found as I've gotten older, I've gotten better at that, just managing my body and knowing what what to do and how to keep it right. And I think the biggest thing was just... Doing things outside of what the club has for you as well and finding what worked for me and you know, I was getting acupuncture once a week, I, I was getting my own massages once a week and you know, just staying on top of everything. So I hate to be that fuck week. Can you pull the mic a tiny bit closer? Yeah, sorry, <laughs> You're
1: right. They um they reckon ribs are that painful.
0: Yeah, well um to be honest, I, I got hit in a mat training the other week and I I still felt it a little bit, but uh, you know, hopefully another month or so they they got good yeah. <laughs> So talk to us about growing up. You're, you're a local junior down at Canberra. Yeah, so um, my parents were in Canberra. They both got married in Canberra. And then uh, me and my sister grew up there. My sister's still down there with her fiancé now. I didn't start playing footy till I was 10, to be honest. Um, I was playing soccer and t-ball and softball and all that. And <laughs> Softer on the ribs. <laughs> yeah, don't get hit as much. But um, No, I always loved footy. I played Oztag everything like that as i could and you know i was just one of those kids that loved sport you know i went to Myers brothers in canberra i was playing cricket as well and then coming through after i started playing league i made all the the junior rep sides for league and union and then um when i was 15 or, or 14 or 15 i think i was playing league on a friday and then union on a saturday and and things like that and then um i i got asked to be in the Bromby's um, talent squad which is basically like a, a, an emerging um, junior squad for the yeah. Bromby's and then um, I was also picked in the Harold Mats for the Raiders so I basically had to pick which, which one I wanted to go for and I always love league more. My old man said I was a better union player than I was a league <laughs> player but that's, that's never going to be found out. Yeah. But, um, nah. So I chose the Raiders obviously and played a year of Harold Matts and then went straight to SD Ball a year younger and then um, played there one year and then went straight to the flag team in 2007 which was 21s back then yeah played I think six games or something for them and when I wasn't playing for them I was playing first grade for the local comp and and things like that so you know I got a fair bit of experience I remember one day there when I was coming through, I was I was seventeen. I played uh, under 18s for the the Bush Rangers, played reserve grade, and then played first grade all on the same day. And yeah, reserve grade wasn't that fun because they just try and take your head off. Yeah, I could, <laughs> I could imagine. I think I got my nose splattered across my face my first <laughs> run. But um, nah, it, it's all a learning curve, and um, you know it's made me the the player that I am today. And then you're eighteen when you debut for Canberra. Yeah, I was eighteen, turning nineteen, coming up against the, the great JT and. In round four in Canberra freezing cold night I think it might have been a Monday night too to be honest and I hated Monday night games because you sit around and watch every game of footy yeah. and then you got to try and get yourself up for it but um I think my first three weeks in first grade I played JT Trent Barrett and Darren Lockyer so <laughs> couldn't uh, have a uh, a harder week of homework leading yeah. up to each game on, on their kicking game and things like that and just the the players that they were back then and um you know you look at what uh, JT's gone on to do and, and, and Lockie as well and, yeah. and even Baz you know but I, I idolised Baz growing up because I was a St. George supporter so yeah, right. I mean, when he was there playing Origin and um, playing for the Dragons it was it was cool but to play against those guys you know that I used to watch on TV was yeah, pretty it must surreal. Be surreal yeah massively what do
1: you think when you just stand like you're packing a scrum you're opposite Jonathan Thurston.
0: Yeah, when I was, when I when I when I first debuted and I was at Cameron, I'd, I'd be driving a train and still pinching myself thinking, you know, this is real. Like I'm doing it now. I said when I was 10 years old that I said to my old man when I was 10 I wanted to debut when I was 18, and then yeah. I always you said to it. him I said I wanted to go play for the Dragons after and <laughs> so it, it and yeah. it just <laughs> it just happened to be that way. You know, circumstances probably weren't the best how everything yeah. went down, but you know I'm a big believer of things happening for a reason and and learning from those things. Can you talk about sort of that, not turmoil, but what happened at the end down in Canberra and how that affected you? Yeah, look, um, I probably I probably got lazy, to be honest. Um, I just was relying heavily on raw talent than anything. I wasn't looking after myself physically or anything like that. Um, I, I know now how much, how important that is, sorry, to... To make sure you look after yourself week in week out, whether you know you got a cork or, or whatever, just not to go out and have a beer because it can make it you know four, three, four times worse and things like that. And then um, you know, just being a young kid, just wanting to have fun, play footy, and just do whatever. That's that's where I was at. And um, you know, coming into the first grade system at 18 too, it probably sort of held me back from. Oh, sorry, it made me grow up real quick um and so then that way i wasn't really i was still trying to live that 18 year old life and then growing up as well still trying to do that and party with my mates and things like that that were going out every weekend and i probably got stuck trying to live two lives and then um yeah that, that that weekend uh after round one in 2013 you know we we lost in penrith nigel plum absolutely folded me i did um rib cartilage in the first half got needled at halftime and played the second half busted but played rat's ass obviously and we got beat and then um i went out that night when we got back to canberra and things like that and and you know you're not supposed to drink when you're injured and things like that and and whatever else and then um me and fergo missed recovery ferns came over to fergo's house at the time had a few words with both of us and then um Next thing you know, I've got a letter to say that they're going to terminate me just because of certain things that had happened, you know, when I was younger. Like I said, learning to be that professional at 17, playing, you know, 20s. It's a semi-professional life. Back then, I'd have to be up at 4 a.m., go to train, do weights in the morning, and then I'd go to work, work from like 6.30 to 4.30, come back to training at 5.30, and i wouldn't be home till nine o'clock some nights and basically wouldn't be eating nothing i just sleep sleep was my dinner back then but um because i lived 40 minutes away from training as well it was hard but uh so like some days i'd just be like my alarm would go off at 4am and i'd be like i'm just not gonna go i'm not gonna yeah. go do weights before i go to work because yeah. you know i'm, I'm fucked <laughs> yeah. yeah. but yeah so like just a few little things like that and you know turning up late and and just you know like i said being lazy I think that was the biggest thing. Just, you know, when I when I when I got to the Dragons, I made it a, a massive habit of mine just to be early everywhere I went, no matter what. And um, you know, even if I had to set an alarm, you know, forty-five minutes before I had to be somewhere, that only took fifteen minutes. And that's what I'm I'm, I'm big on now. So I, if if I only have to drive ten minutes to training now, I'm always up an hour before I have to be there. So regardless, I'm always going to be there ten minutes early, fifteen minutes early. If something does go wrong mind you you know some things may happen that you can't control but as long as you're giving yourself that chance to get there and do those things and it's going to work out you know after that uh, I was terminated and then pretty much straight away had another deal lined up with the Broncos and then the the uh old famous Instagram comment got me yeah that was another hard lesson learned but I just I just bit back at a fan that was giving me shit and you know, I've learned now if I'm going to bite back at someone just to be smart about it and not attack them personally or anything like that, like, now I'm a, I'm a, bit, a bit smarter about that, a, a bit more of a smart ass to them and things and I don't take it to heart as much whereas back then I think I wanted everyone to like me yeah. and, um, you know, now I know not everyone's going to like me. You don't like everyone yourself so, like, that's just the sort of thing it is. You You, you can't force someone to like you if they don't like you so... Back then, I was trying to make everyone like me and do things that people were going to like me for, and um, you know that wasn't the case. And Broncos pulled their deal, and um, next thing you know, I was on the paintbrush with one of my good mates who lived in Canberra, working Monday to Friday, six am to three am, and you know Friday hours we may knock off early to go for a pub <laughs> feed and a few schooners, which was which was good, but it wasn't what I wanted to be doing, you know. Um, and then you know that's I, I did that for probably a month, and then just fell into a massive hole. Stopped working with him, and then basically just locked myself in my house, did nothing. Was basically abusing prescription medicines and things like that, and and partying way too hard on it as well, and um, I did that for probably a month straight from Thursday to Monday, most weekends, and I was hanging out with a few of my mates in Canberra that were probably too into that lifestyle as well so like they weren't going to pull me up on it yeah which is probably one i wanted but at the same time it wasn't good for me and then um actually i pretty much pulled myself away from everyone that would have told me you know pull your head in yeah and then it took for my old man to ring my best mate and my best man from my wedding a couple weeks ago just to go like you know go pull his head in and tell him you know he's, he's going down a bad path and you know that that was what kicked me back into gear and i got back into training and started working again with my mate and then um next you know i got a lifeline from the dragons when you say you're abusing
1: prescription pills alcohol is that to numb what you were feeling
0: oh yeah definitely and um you, you know also to just avoid the world you know i'd sleep 16 hours a day sometimes just to not go anywhere do anything or be with anyone and um it was just to you know like you said numb it and get away from everything and i'd go for dinner or something when i first got sacked i'd go for dinner with a few of my mates in in the city and things like that and i'd see people looking at me and whispering to the whoever they're with and things like that and it's just a little bubble that i didn't want to be in and you know obviously i tried to avoid that bubble as much as i could and and that was the way i did it is it draining like constantly being in that spot like everyone everywhere
2: you go people know who you are does it get draining like you just like i just want to go somewhere where no one knows who i am i
0: think um like if you can learn to handle it i think it's not too bad and you got to find your your balance i think last year before i went into rehab that's what i struggled with massively was the balance you know again i come back to you know the injuries that I had were things that were out of my control I had a stress fracture in my leg that I played with for a month before they found it and then that took six to eight weeks to heal and then just little things that you know I couldn't really handle and being in rehab too you you most of the time you're by yourself you train before all the boys and you literally you're in there at seven you're out of there by 11 while they're still training and then you you got all those hours at home by yourself doing nothing again and um yeah that 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 got to me a little bit and I'd just come in and I'd be there but not really be there like be there physically but mentally I was nowhere there a few of the boys actually started to notice it because normally I'm a bit of a larrikin I love to laugh have a joke and stir the boys up and things <laughs> like that and it's normally me or Moisa and back last year it would have been Groover as well Louis but um, yeah this year you know back to back to normal and things like that and um, I think the, the best thing that I ever did was just say yes straight away not even hesitate so a good friend of mine that used to work at the Sharks, he just rang me and said, "Look, I've had a few of the boys say they're worried about you, blah blah blah, and um, like I think it'd be good for you to go to this place and you know get some help and and that sort of thing." And I, I just, I just had shoulder surgery too, so because of the injuries and stuff like that, I was, I was back abusing painkillers and things like that, and um, again just to, to numb the pain, but also just to you know try and just take the edge off everything yeah. uh so i think they'd noticed that my missus had noticed that and and she sort of spoke to our good friend as well and said look he needs help and then um he rang me and said look i think it'd be good for you to go to this place which was in thailand and i said yep yeah, no worries let's go let's do it and um you know two days later i was in thailand
1: and that was for a month and that was, was that for that a month, month. yeah sure. so i
0: spent a month in um in chiang mai over in thailand at a at a um like a rehab facility there and you know first first day i get in there i still got my sling on and things like that and they check your bag they go through your bag and everything and and then go through your toiletries bag and they take anything that you know is is medicine basically whether it's Penadol or you know endone or whatever and i I had a little bit of endone just for my shoulder because i think i'd only been in a sling for maybe three four weeks since i had surgery so i just had a little bit in case it was real sore or something like that and i was still sleeping with the sling on and everything which was torture but um i was in there and i didn't really feel like i was anywhere i sort of felt like i was in a hotel to begin with because i didn't see anyone i got in there at like 11 o'clock at night so everyone was in bed and and doing their own thing and then when i woke up the next morning for breakfast you realize like all right i'm I'm here and um you know you do like your introductions in the morning like your um your morning group and things like that and you you talk about why you're there and what you feel like you're getting done or getting better at and things like that and it went around the room and like there's there's um heroin addicts there's you know guys that have guys and you know girls that have been on drugs for 30 plus years and things like that and you like sort of look at yourself and go am I really this bad like trying to find excuses and things like that but you know after that first week of you know sitting there thinking like that I just stopped and said all right I'm, I'm here now I might as well make the most of it not everything sort of applied to me because I didn't feel like I was a drug addict or an alcoholic or anything like that like I, I know when to stop or or pull away from it and um so I just took my own little bits and pieces out of each one's story and and I found that's what helped me the most yeah like I said it was pretty daunting to be honest to be in there with those sort of guys and you know not wanting to be judged as well but like that that was the best thing about that place was no one judged anyone like everyone's there trying to you know better themselves and all that sort of thing so it made it a lot easier just to, to to dive into it really and and that's what i did in the end
1: so talk to us about your mental health you mentioned from a young age you suffered with mild anxiety tell us the tell us your story growing up with mental health when did it kind of all hit you
0: yeah i think um it probably hit me when i was about 12 I think um, my uncle actually committed suicide when I was like younger then and then um my old man took it pretty heavy as well and and that sort of thing and and that's when I sort of realized you know it, it's there I didn't know what it was obviously and you know my old man just being from that you know that, that era time, where in yeah. that time where you know you got to be tough and <laughs> and not speak up and things like that and and uh, you know it was hard so I sort of just went along with it or whatever and didn't pay too much attention to it but then um you know the older i got the more frequent it started happening and and then obviously bouts of depression here and there and just things i couldn't really put my finger on but didn't know what it was either because like i hadn't learned about it and hadn't spoken to anyone about it and things like that and then um yeah it wasn't really till i hit that rock bottom in 2013 that i i, I really knew that like growing up that that's what it all was I got to the dragons I started studying um, community and youth work and things like that so I, I did a little bit about mental health and the mental health first aid and all that sort of stuff and just learned more and more about it and now that I'm into my counseling diploma as well I've learned even more about it but I think the, the month in rehab was invaluable I learned so much over there and each person had their own personal psychiatrist basically or, or doctor they they had to have 10 years experience they had to have a doctorate all that sort of thing so they were like proper legit like probably 500 dollars an hour psychs and yeah and i i suffer from you know mild to severe insomnia as well which is probably another reason why my mental health flows up and down so much because you know sleep's one of the biggest factors of mental health yeah so um you know just getting on top of that and and making sure that I'm in a good sleeping pattern and things like that, which I definitely wasn't last year. I was running on four hours sleep most days last year. And, um, you know, that that was normal for me. And now this year, or, or getting back, getting back from rehab last year, I, I just made the point of getting enough sleep and things like that. And since then, you know, I still have my days where, you know, I don't want to do things. I don't want to get out of bed and whatever, like everyone else. But I feel like with, with the things I've got in place now, I see my doctor now maybe once once a month once every six weeks whether i'm good or bad just to stay on top of everything and um yeah basically like i put little things in place as soon as i got back my missus brought us both diaries to write in and things like that and and just to stay on top of things um yeah. you know rather than sit and dwell on things and you know let it bottle up and eat at yard to, to just get it out straight away and and move on from it if you can yeah
2: Was there anything in particular, like you mentioned anxiety, was it footy? Was it like relationships? Was there anything in particular you could sort of put your finger on?
0: Um, I think being in the spotlight and the the things we do, there's always going to be that anxiety around what we do. Um, You know, you've got people watching all the time. You're worried about injuries. You're worried about your position. You're worried about like a lot of things when it comes to being a professional sports person. But for me, it's it's more like just random things that, that happen during the day. And it, it took me a while to, um, it, yeah, like I said, well, I learned it, I learnt my triggers and things like that when I when I got to re- rehab and then out of rehab, obviously. But um, I remember I can, this day stands out like dog's balls because it, it just came out of nowhere to me. Like I, I didn't think anything of it. I was just like, I'm having a panic attack, but I don't know why. So I was driving home from training just this one day and. I was in traffic and all of a sudden my chest just got tight and I, I felt like I couldn't breathe and I nearly had to pull over. But um, I rang my missus and I'm like, I'm having a panic attack. Like, what? I don't know what's going on. And she goes, you'll be right, just get home and we'll talk about it when you get home. And it wasn't until I got to rehab and I actually told my doctor about it that he goes, so what happened leading up to that, you know, and that, and that sort of thing. And it was just before the semi final last year, I'd actually so we played the roosters in the first week of the semis and I subluxed my shoulder against the roosters in the first half played the the whole game whatever and then basically couldn't move it the next <laughs> yeah. for the next few days and things like that and I tried so hard to play against Penrith but just the strength wasn't there so I basically had to have the week off yeah the boys ended up winning and then I 100% wanted to play against Melbourne so Flano pulled me into his office and just said look I'm going to go with the team that won last week. It's not because you're not ready or whatever and that sort of thing. And that that was his decision. I, I respected that because he was a coach. And, you know, I, I took it on the chin and I walked out and and then driving home later that day, that's that's what it actually triggered yeah. my anxiety and all that sort of thing. And, you know, now being in rehab and speaking to the doctors and all that sort of thing and, and my doctor now, he just sort of says, like, take a step back and, and you know, like, think about things before it like eats away at you so you know if I ever feel like I'm down or I feel like I'm about to burst or anything like that like I sort of now I just take a step back and I think about the day leading up to where I'm at now why I'm feeling like that and things like that and yeah that's another good thing for about the journal as well is you know you can jot it down as you go you mentioned before like about injuries
2: about your spot obviously it's such a tough game and the sort of persona of footy players is that they're tough and you're a role model you've come out and you've spoken out about mental health and you're studying about it did you feel like you ever had to hide it because of the sport you're in a new career
0: um yeah i think maybe a while ago when i was first coming through like i wasn't really spoken about you know you're a bloke you're a big tough footy player you gotta sort of you know have that persona and i suppose that's probably i did probably do that for a while and then um you know, eventually it catches up to you. And I think it wasn't until, you know, the the couple of young guys that committed suicide in the twenties sort of system and things like that that, you know, the NRL really thought, all right, we got to change change the way mm-hmm. we think about it and, and and go about it and you know, I think that was the best thing that they did. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on the young guys coming through, especially From a Pacific background, you know, they've got to look after their whole families and things like that. They're they're, they're the breadwinner, you know, and um, it's a a lot of pressure for a young, you know, 18-year-old kid to to handle and things like that. And, you know, I take my hat off to the guys that have come through and, and are still working hard and things like that. You know, just having support networks in place is the biggest thing. You know, be that coaching staff, family, friends, anything like that. someone you can talk to about anything really and you know going to be an ear to listen to but also give you that kick up the ass if you need it i think that's what i missed you know until my my best mate come over and said put your head in Mm. was just someone that's going to give you that hard truth even though you're not going to like it it, it's going to be the best thing for you so was that the
1: first time you really spoke out when
0: that mate come over um, had, you, had you really spoken out about it growing up? Nah, I never really spoke out about it or anything like that. And and like I said, my old man, I, I, I knew my old man sort of struggled with his own sort of stuff and things yeah. like that. And and since going to rehab and coming out, you know, he's opened up so much more, which is which is a good thing as well. And um, you know, I, I we grew even closer. Like we've we've always been close, but um, we grew even closer when I went in and come back out of rehab. And you know, it's been unreal. Just goes to show you can teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then, so you you were saying you went to the Dragons, or it was at the shark. When was it? When one called you and said the boys are realising you, you're not yourself. Um.
0: So it was last year. The that shark. Was last year, yeah. yeah. It, the boys had just gone into the coach's office and things like that. And he was our welfare officer at the time. Yeah. He was the one that just pulled me aside and things like that. But I'd I'd known him for a while. So he, he sort of knew what sort of person I was like as well, my personality and things like that. And then he just realized like, yeah, the boys are right. Had you had you seen a psychologist before then? On and off. Um, when I first got to the Dragons, it was mandatory for me to see one yeah. as like part of my contract. So I did that. But as soon as that time was up, I was out of there. Yeah, <laughs> you right. know, I didn't yeah. enjoy it and things like that. And I think that's the biggest thing too that I learned is, um, you know, it... it Talking to people about your problems probably isn't for everyone, but if you can find someone that you like and you have a connection with, it's it's easier to talk about. So if you have to go through three or, or twelve people to get to the person you you know, you get a connection with and you feel like you can talk to them about anything, then keep trying. You know, there's no harm in that. I think for me it took me maybe four or five before I found someone that I could really spit everything out and just you know vomit everything out basically and um you know it's been the best thing for me We, we talk about anything and everything and just his little you know he's got these little sayings that he always gives me and things like that about you know ways to handle things and and all that sort of thing and the one of the biggest one that sticks with me is like everyone has their own remote about how they act how they control themselves and all that sort of thing you're not going to hand your remote over to someone else to control your emotions and things like that yeah so for me like that that was probably one of our first sessions together and he just said that to me and he said like if you're driving and and, you know you let someone merge in front of you and they don't wave at you are you going to give them the remote to you know piss you off or (laughs) save them the bird Uh, it's my pet hate (laughs) too but like since since like that i'm like well you know it hasn't really affected yeah. me you know why am i going to get the shits yeah. about it you know like give him the bird or whatever yeah. for, for what reason like he's not going to care he's yeah, moving yeah. in front of me and yeah. he's, like, he's laughing yeah. yeah and and that was one of the biggest things You just said like a lot of people that like it is it's it's just courtesy to me yeah, and yeah. that's why i probably get the shits about it but at the same time like it's not going to affect me if they don't wave and say thank you yeah i'm just going to go on about my day and and just keep going so um know just little things like that and he said another one was everyone's like an electrical current um you know so when when you want to ground electricity you put it in the ground so he said you can either pass it on to the next person hold on to it and then you burst or you can put it in the ground so something pisses you off or whatever you know you can rile up someone else or piss someone else off and get angry at them then they're angry and it's just a flow on effect or you can just you know sort it out yourself and then bury it and move on so just like a couple of little things like that that's really helped me over probably the last 12 months of of seeing him and you know just having that balance outside of footy again I think that's where I lost it you know when I was at the Dragons I was good for a while because I was studying playing footy I was in the Origin team and then the Australian team as well and things like that so sort of had that you know, on the field, off the field, um, you know, balance. But that sort of disappeared last year because of the injuries and things like that. Like, just didn't want to be there. I was always at home, isolate myself, things like that. There would be times where I'd go over to the in-laws' house and for dinner or whatever and my partner's mum would be talking to me and I'd just be on my phone in my own little world and, like, literally wouldn't even hear her talking to me, like, just because yeah. I was that zoned out and that isolated and pulled away from everything that... My missus would have me and said I was being rude and all this, <laughs> yeah. but I'm like, I literally didn't hear it. Yeah. You know, like I was just, just so zoned yeah. out in my own little bubble, just not caring about anything else. And yeah, and now that I've got back to having that balance, I feel a lot fresher. Like I wake up, you know, six o'clock, no worries. Yeah, bit sore and sorry for myself. <laughs> Getting older now in the pre seasons, but um. <clears throat> you know i still get up and go about my day and still have a laugh and carry on with the boys and, and then get home and I'm, I'm all good again so
2: you told us on the way in that we asked you if you didn't want to talk about anything <laughs> and you told us that everything's probably been spoken <laughs> about already so we like the stuff like what happened with canberra what happened with origin how do you react to those things obviously now they get played out in the media so heavily how, do you So, i mean we spoke to darius boyd's wife the other day because he doesn't have social media yeah. because of what he's gone through yeah. do you do you tune out like what do you do when that sort of stuff happens
0: Ah, uh, yeah i think um with all the camera stuff it's funny because everyone still says breezes but they were cruisers so <laughs> i just now, now i just correct them i'm like if you're gonna try and spray me at least spray me properly you know um Just for everyone listening, it was a pineapple cruiser, not a a breezer. (laughs) But um, yeah, so like for me, I've just learned to laugh about it, to be honest, the Canberra stuff. Like I've come out, said my piece. I said that, you know, the way things went down wasn't ideal and I apologize for how I acted. I was a young bratty kid, like still learning to grow up and things like that. And, you know, everyone makes mistakes and it's just about how you come back and and how you learn from those things. And, you know, I think I've done that well over the years. Everything that's gone wrong for me i've always sort of come back tenfold and, and tried to learn and live and make sure that those things didn't happen again and you know with the with the origin stuff I, you know I, I still don't really feel like that was too big a deal i don't think that that cost us the game like yeah they did an investigation into it they they yeah, it went. They, they searched Bizarre. everything like they got footage from the hotel that were like the pub we're at and that sort of thing. Like we were out of there by 7:30, 8 o'clock at night, back in into camp. Laws even came out and said we trained unreal the next day. Like it was just blown so far out of proportion because we lost that third game that was there to win. I think that's what it was. And you know, again, having my time over, I'd probably rethink it. I probably wouldn't be there till 8 o'clock at night. You know, I probably would have left. it maybe had lunch and then left. But you know. They're, they're, they're a couple of our mates that we don't get to see too often as well so like obviously you want to spend a little bit of time with them whatever else but again you can choose different ways of spending time with people instead of sitting at a pub having a pun or whatever so you know that's one thing that I could probably change but again I, I think it was just blown massively out of proportion and and because of losing the series they needed someone to blame and, you know yeah. you look at me and Fergo our names are, <laughs> are, are, are always in the paper for something and it's never really good, but, you yeah. know, I've tried to change that over the last few years and, you know, I think I've done a pretty good job of, you know, just trying to go about my business. And like I said earlier, not everyone's yeah. going to like me no matter what. And, you know, I still, I, I, <laughs> I, I had the mullet last year and I raised, you know, six and a half grand for Bear Cottage and things like that and people were still hating on me just for that for having a shit haircut and i'm like you can't win them all so like that was probably just the biggest thing for me and the biggest realization was you know people are going to have their opinion let them have it and you just go about what you got to do
1: did you actually break any rules in that camp like were you meant to be home by five or something and you were late
0: no there was was no rules like it was our day off so we went um we went into lennox heads where our mate lived at the time and uh, two of our good mates, actually. Um, they were living at the time, and we just went in there, had a few beers with lunch, had a couple of beers after lunch and a punt, and then we were out of there, you know, like I said, by 8 o'clock, and, and um, everything came out. It came out a month after the series, too, mm. which was, you know, pretty mind-boggling to me because if me and Fergo had done anything wrong, yeah. it, it would have been the next day, the next day yeah, and page. we would have been out of the out of camp, yeah. you know? Like, we wouldn't <clears> have played that that decider, so... That's where I was just like, all right. But, you know, I don't I – re- I rarely read the newspaper. I don't listen to the news. I don't do anything. I just yeah. pull myself completely away from that because, you know, when I'm at training, I'm there to work. I'm there to do my job and, you know, put my best foot forward for the team and, and the club and all that sort of thing. But when I'm at home, I'm at home. That's my space. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to – keep watching footy or like i very rarely watch games of footy too just because i find it just overloads me and then yeah, i get yeah. sick of it and all that sort of thing so you know my playstation's my my escape <laughs> and you know my my missus and me love watching tv series and movies and things like that and yeah that's that's all we do really yeah we've got two dogs as well so what that, kind of that, dogs that, you uh, got? i got a um american staffy and a uh bull Terrier. Um, yeah i got a yeah. staffy as well i love Staffies. Yeah, so, yeah they're the best dogs everyone blows off about the, like their personalities and things yeah, like that but it's like how they when you're walking in one big dog I'm the
1: road <laughs> the, area, the
0: area I live in it's actually a little bit like that We're, we walk out to and people actually cross the road <laughs> <It's not> <laughs> annoying, <laughs> and our dogs wouldn't know how to fly like, yeah, I know. a couple of years ago my boat got stolen from out front of my house and my dogs didn't even bark <laughs> <laughs> stole it. someone put it on, yeah. someone put it on. Someone the boat on the tow bar boat. yeah someone stole the boat oh got through God. the chain got through the tow bar lock Two in the morning and the dogs didn't even hear, <laughs> didn't even go off. So they're good guard dogs. <laughs> you Get the boat back? Oh uh, yeah, fully stripped though. So oh, oh, got my insurance for it and yeah, got another one now, which which was a blessing, I suppose. It's a better boat now, so I'm happy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> With um sort of on the same topic, you how were you before a game? Like big games? Do you get nervous? Are you
0: are you alright? Um I, I probably used to, but I think now, you know, this coming up season I'm hopefully I'll get to 200 games Mm. and then I've played you know 12 origins and 12 tests as well and uh, I think I've never sort of been one to like put too much pressure on myself like I'll get angry at myself if I make an error or something like that but then straight away I flush it because I'm worried about what i got to do next and I think I think that's helped me and I mean I've always I've been confident but not arrogant my whole life probably because you know i was one of the better kids playing footy when i was younger and things like that and um had a pretty good team too we went undefeated for three years in our in our junior team yeah just just growing up with things like that and you know i've all my, my parents like i grew up in housing commission and things like that and having them you know keep me grounded and things like that and just coming from that background has helped me you know, not get arrogant or anything like that. A lot of people will come up to me and talk to me in public and things like that and say, oh, I didn't expect you to be this way. And I I just say to them, well, you know, look, I'm a normal person. I have a job just like you, but I get so much spotlight on my job because it's on TV. Like, it Mm -hmm. doesn't make me any different of a person. So, you know, I'm huge on if people show me respect, I'm going to show them respect back no matter what they do, who they are or whatever. And and, and having those sort of messages come through, it's, it's very, you know humbling and fulfilling for me just to know that you know people feel like they can talk to me normally not put me on a pedestal because yeah. i hate that like <laughs> yeah i do what i do but i'm no better than anyone else just because of what i do doesn't make me any better than anyone else i don't want to be put up on a pedestal and you know praised or anything like that yeah. like i just go out there and work hard and do what i do you know everyone else does it they've all got jobs they all work hard at so yeah i always try to keep grounded and and you know again getting back to that community work that helps me as well last like this year did you know heaps of it and you know i'll do the same again next year and something passionate about and i've already spoken about you know when i retire hopefully you know becoming a youth worker or something like that social worker in schools or maybe in juvenile justice system just to you know help help young kids out and things like that and i'd also love to start my own fishing charter so um yeah, awesome. you never know. <laughs> That'd
1: be mad. You, you speak about the spotlight and you said you, you and Fergo are often in there at the Sharks. You and Fafita are always somehow. <laughs> <bit> <laughs> <draping>. <laughs> and it brought back to an interview, I think it was last year, where it just seemed like everything just rolled up. And I don't expect you to comment on the media. Yeah. But from looking in, you're right. Like They do just it at your back for the the bad stuff you do you yeah. mentioned you raise money about the mullet and everything yeah you don't hear that shit tell us about that interview did everything just kind of build up to that yeah explosion? so
0: um you know like i said i was i was on a roller coaster last year and things like that and you know the podcast with Tyson and ty uh, the half cars podcast and and that uh, they um you know we just got talking about the the media and the nrl and things like that and and then um one of our mine and Andrew's good mates we ended up getting talking about him and one thing led to another a couple of things were said and, and that was it like we, we literally moved on in 30 seconds and yeah. um next thing you know it's in the paper you know this and that and back page and whatever yeah. else like it normally is with me uh, <laughs> so we just went from there and, and look I, I didn't say anything about it afterwards I just said right if I had my time over I probably would have avoided the subject just yeah. to to avoid the drama um you know that that's that's probably it. but you know every little chance that the media got with anything they'd always have a little dig or anything like that and i sort of just had enough of it by the time i got to september when they actually asked me about it because i hadn't done media for three or four months that was their first chance to to get their claws in (laughs) so i um I, I just basically said like the only the only thing you want to report on is is bad things. You know you don't report about not just me but everyone. Yeah. You know like I, I said, there's so many NRL players out there doing community work, good stuff in the community, and and stuff off their own bat on their days off that never gets said. Never nothing ever gets said about it. And, and I always come back to this like you don't you very rarely hear too many stories that are bad about the AFL because of their players association having an agreement with the media so they try and promote the game rather than bring the game down and I think that's somewhere where the NRL can get better at and they can get to a point where you know you become legitimate partners but when one guy out of the media is going to spray one player for a certain amount Mm -hmm. of time that player is going to be off him and not going to want to have it do an interview with him or anything like that and I think there's just too many of those guys in the Australian media at the moment for rugby league that you know sort of burn their bridges with players and then those players don't want to do interviews to them, and yeah. things like that so then they just resort to writing the shit articles basically yeah. and um you know a lot of it's gone on with Latrell at the moment oh, and, you know I, I, I feel you, yeah. for that kid because he's still contracted he's still got a job to do he's still going to turn up and do his job mm. and the rest of it's just speculation and his managers even come out saying we haven't spoken to any clubs or anything like that and And that's the sort of thing that, you know, can really wear people down and, you know, I hope he's got a good support network around him and things like that because, you know, having your name in the paper for every day for, you know, two, three weeks at a time and then everyone asking you questions, oh, you're going here, you're going there, like it really does wear you down. So, you know, like I said, I hope he's got a good support network in place and and things like that and, you know, he can do what's best for him in the end. You know, when you retire the game, it's just going to – wash the hands of you and and, you know you're done that's it you know you've done your service and and you're gone you know you gotta find your own way from there they're not gonna hold your hand anymore and um, you know that's why you know as a player you've always gotta look after number one look after you and your family and you know do what's best for you in the end because he's still only twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, exactly. Like still, and he's got every. He's done it exactly. all already. He's done it all already. He's won two comps. he's played for Australia. Won an Origin series. Yeah. Like you know, he's still got a good ten years plus yeah. in him. What is he, what's he like to play against? He's a big boss. <laughs> yeah. yeah, big aggressive thing and hard to tackle. So no, nah, he is a good player. I think he'll only get better with age. Mm-hmm. I think you know, I was probably the same when I was younger just learning how to have that that right attitude about going into games and things like that and you know going after the game if the game's not coming to you i think that's one thing you'll get better at you do notice sometimes he sort of just yeah chills out of it in the middle of games and things like that but you know like i said you you learn that as you go and i think this is what he's only his third year of first grade like regularly so yeah yeah. so you know he's won two comps already so he (laughs) must be doing something right but um you know look you, you get better with age and you know, you pick up the little things as you go. And, and that's only from playing and, and playing with older guys with, around you as well that will give you those tips and things like that. And, you know, i got no doubt he'll end up, you know, with his own status. I'm not going to compare him to English or anything like yeah. that. He's Control yeah. Mitchell. And, yeah. You know, he's going to make his own legacy. Yeah, for sure. If he really hasn't. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah. Is there, um, like just talking about your career, is there obviously a premiership is – that is that the ultimate goal for you do you have personal ones i mean 200 is pretty big coming up this year hopefully
0: yeah look i think um considering the roller coaster ride that i've had in my career i think 200 is massive for me you know guys playing 300 i look at them and i look at them in awe because i'm like how do you get there you know like that's that for me that would be another five years playing injury free yeah and um you know, but I've also got to be proud of my accomplishments too, because of the injuries that I've had. Thankfully, nothing too serious, and and you know, probably a lot of it when I was younger was my own fault as well, not looking after myself and and that sort of thing. But um, still getting to where I am, you know, still playing for Australia, uh, still winning an Origin series and things like that, and and you know, like everyone talks about the Origin series wins now, but. The one that we won, we, we beat all the immortals, yeah. The, yeah. the future immortals basically, the which team, is man. yeah, 2014. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm so happy for the the Blues boys to get that that taste of victory and, and you know turn the tides on the on the Queenslanders again. But yeah. you know that nothing will take in, anything yeah, away from that sure. 14 series that we won. It was unbelievable, and you know my my first year in 20s, we won that we won the Toyota Cup, and you know I got man of the match in that and things like that. So you know as far as I'm concerned I could retire like I've had this conversation with my doctor as well that you know apart from the premiership like if it wasn't to come I'd still retire happy yeah because I feel like I've done enough in the game to leave my legacy and things like that and you know I feel like I've been a pretty good player throughout my career and and that sort of thing as well and yeah I'd love to win a premiership that's 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 the reason why I went to the Sharks was because I knew they had a squad that that could get there and You know, unfortunately, last year, just injuries in main positions and, you know, chopping and changing the 6-7 and 1 nearly every month. That That's probably what hurt us a bit and just not having that consistency. And But, look, we, we looked at that and I think we lost five or six games by less than four points yeah. as well. So I think you, some
1: we, of them were from that conversion Yeah, you lost more yeah. We scored, Way
0: to throw them under the bus. Yeah. <laughs> scored more tries. Yeah. Right? Who is it? Five, five times we lost by scoring more tries. Yeah. Then. So if we, if we had those ten competition points, we would we would have finished third outright. Yeah, and then you get, wow. them, you yeah. get the yeah, we would have the second off. chance. But yeah. to be honest, after that manly game, we didn't deserve to be there. We didn't turn up at all to play manly and manly, and they just put the brakes on us. <laughs> yeah, they turned up big yeah. time. Eh, they turned up. Game. Yeah, they had they had twenty on us after like twenty minutes, and we just couldn't come back.
1: Yeah, they, they did well this year. Yeah, man. they, they did, did real well considering squad. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Both their second row was really yeah. stepped like, That Siren and yeah. Thompson. Yeah. Had, Tomo's Great been years. good for years.
0: Yeah, Tomo's been good for years. I, I played with him in Canberra, Dragons, and then he went to Manly. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think Wade Graham would be massive for you, full yeah. season. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping he can stay fit and yeah. healthy because he's, he's a huge influence on the way we go about our games and things like that. He's that ball playing back role with a kicking game. Yeah. And, you know, you can have those three kickers and everything like that. And, you know, you just got to look at how many tries we scored on left edge shape just from him yeah. running mm. the ball and things like that. Fanboy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, a <laughs> boy, Graham, I'm a bit of a fan I away, Graham fanboy. I'm a bit of a fanboy for Wayne Graham. He's a good fellow. But too. Uh,
1: there was all, speaking when you were talking about rehab, how you isolated. There was a good like document, not documentary, but sharks but like a video together of him when he was doing his rehab, and he, he was the same. He just yeah. said you go into this room, yeah, you, you're training by yourself. All the boys are on yeah. the field. He said it's just a shit fight. It must be tough to get your head around.
0: Yeah, and and that's where I think um, this year Bomb has been real good about it, making. So, whoever's in rehab, they've got a coach with them at all times. They train with the coach and then, or like staff, and then um, they come down and watch the field now. So, yeah. they're still part of that group. And then, you know, you do whatever you got to do. You do your physio while the boy's on the field, and then you come off and you're hanging out again. So, I think that's one good thing that Bomber's really implemented this year is that, you know, everyone's a part of the group. We've
2: sort of touched on these. We've got some fan questions we put up the other day. Yeah. We've got some some good ones so first one's from joe so how did you rise above the media speculating about problems you were going
0: through you know like i said i just worried about me and what i've got to do if you're worried about what everyone else thinks about you and, and you know opinions that don't really matter for me the opinions that matter are my family and close friends that know who i am personally and and obviously the opinions of my teammates and in the club they're massive but you know if if you've got speculation about you, that's that's all it is really, is speculation. So um, I felt like that was pretty easy to handle. Was just to avoid it. We have got another
1: one here from J- oh, Tom. Sorry, we just asked <laughs> John. What were some of your dark? You you have touched on
0: this. What were some of your darkest moments? But how did you deal with them? Probably Canberra would be the darkest moments. Um, you know, I look back at that and think, you know, how did I get out of there uh, alive? Really, um, you know, I would have been close to in a couple of times I dare say um, and you know like I said the only reason why I got out of that sort of little hole was because my old man was so worried about me that he rang one of my best mates to come and pull my head in so um, you know again that, that support network you know if you if you don't have that support network you know I I'd, I'd strongly advise or try and get you to, to sort someone out that you can you know I know with AA and Uh, so like being a drug addict and alcoholic and things like that they have sponsors and i'm pretty sure they're they're pretty easy to sort of go to meetings and things like that and and, and meet new people if you are struggling there's obviously there's probably mental health ones as well but there's all the hotlines and things like that as well just to speak to someone if you are in a hole yeah that's going to listen and going to understand and just for someone to have someone there that you can vent to
1: you can even text now. I know yeah. Lifeline, you can just text yeah. if you don't want to call up.
0: Yeah, they get, they're getting so much better with it, how they handle it and things like that, because not everyone wants to just go and, you know, word vomit everything mm. that's yeah. going wrong with them, just a complete stranger. So, you know, you, you got to find that, that person that you feel like you can talk to. Just touched on support networks.
2: What are three tips you would give to someone who is going through mental health issues?
0: Um, first of all, speak up. Say you're not okay. Um, it, it's definitely okay not to be okay, the, and I think you know that that first step there, just saying I need help, is is the strongest that you can you can be as a person. Um, you know, everyone tries to do everything on their own. Everyone wants to be independent and live their life and, and do everything for themselves. But sometimes it does get too much. So I think the biggest thing is just you know put your hand up, put your hand up, ask for help, um, go from there, and then. Obviously, two would be to have a good support network. Three would be to find a balance with, with you know, work and, and hobbies, or you know, whatever you got outside of or in your life. Sorry, whatever you whatever you find that you get most enjoyment out of, find a balance between that and work. You just mentioned balance, though, and like you said in Canberra when you were eighteen,
1: you're growing up fast, but you still got that eighteen-year-old mentality. We've got a pretty young audience and obviously, like you said, alcohol is a big thing growing up. And obviously everyone knows alcohol is not the best for your mental health, but you can't really sit here and say, no one drink, you know, no one. Look, I I still go go, for a beer on the weekend. Yeah, how do you go about kind of finding that balance with alcohol and?
0: Um, I I think I was forced to because, you know, I couldn't be out on the piss every night and then go to training and playing on the weekends and things like that. So that's probably what helped me. But I think um, just trying to set yourself limits Obviously, being a, a, a young person, you want to party, you want to travel, and I'm I'm all for that. Live your life and, and, and travel, and you know get life experience and things like that. But if it's to the point where it's it's damaging your your life or your health, then I think that's when you sort of need yeah. to take a step back and realize, all right, maybe I should pull back, maybe one one night or two nights a week, and and only have one night or a few hours, or you know that sort of thing, and just find that balance between, you know, having a good time. Or getting so blotter that you black out and you don't remember it and you're sick all the next day and yeah. all that sort of thing and you know i can't remember the last time i was out past 3 a.m um you know me now old head just <laughs> I, 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 my locals are bolo so <laughs> I, I go there on a saturday arvo have a punt and, you know sit there have a beer with a few of my mates that aren't footy related and yeah. i just kick back and all the old blokes come up say good day to me and you know i'm out of there by yeah. six seven o'clock after a feed or something like that
1: and now you're an nrl Santa of ambassador yeah that must be pretty cool
0: yeah i actually started with them last year but i think um just with the state of everything last year and me and and whatever else i didn't get to do too much but you know after rehab i really jumped into it and um started doing a fair bit and, and just did a, a interview with them uh, a couple of months ago before i went on holidays and um they got a new program coming out which should be next year they, they're um releasing it to schools and junior clubs and things like that. And, um, yeah, no, it, it is good because I feel like I don't have to be a professional or anything like that. I can just sort of give life experience and, and that's that's my way of helping people if they need, need it. Um, you know, learning from my mistakes might keep someone else out of the same same hole or, or something like that. So, um, no, it's been really good. Like I said before, the, the, the biggest thing is you know don't don't hide from it, it, it you know it, it affects so many people and the more that we speak up about it and, and everything else the more that 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 wall of that stigma is going to break down and it's going to become more of a norm and i think you know once we get to that everyone can you know there's not going to be any discrimination about it or you know any fear of speaking up and in in, mm. in the you know the chance that you are going to get you know, picked on or whatever else. I think, um, you know, Every everyone's got their own story. Everyone's got their own background and whatever else they've gone through. And, you know, it's how we come out on the other side. And, you know, sometimes you do need people to help you to get through that other side. So you got pre-season till you got a break coming up? Yeah, so we got uh, a week and a half left. We finish up next Friday and then um, two weeks off for Christy. So how's your wedding, by the way? Yeah, it was awesome. Um, everything went off without a hitch, thing. <laughs> <laughs> thank God. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I was standing out the altar waiting for my wife now to come down and the the thunder started in behind us and the <laughs> few raindrops started and I just looked up and went, no. <laughs> but, but luckily, luckily enough, it blew straight over and, um, yeah, the day went off. Unbelievable and it was a good night too, so, good. yeah. Congratulations and yeah, thanks for thank coming in on your day yeah. off. Yeah, thanks, no man. dramas, awesome. that's all good. That was awesome. Uh, that was- so good luck with the season. Yeah, thank and, you. And uh,
1: we've got a lunch. We're going to do a lunch at the Chloe Hotel probably um, – like March early March if you're around we'd love you to come down we're just going to do like a raffle just raise money throw up some memorabilia whatever so we'll give you a message around then and if you're free come down and um, have a few beers and a feed for sure awesome so easy thanks for joining us mate thanks mate